0: When well, you need to know what's happening, it's, 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 it's time to get In the Huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason LaConfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, and look who's joining us, Nick Costos. You better you bet. He is the guy when it comes to putting the money down. And Nick, we've got some great games coming up in the NFL this week. Uh, as we start tonight, and we're recording this on Thursday, guys, of course, Broncos Chiefs, Brian Baldinger um i'll tell you this i have no faith whatsoever in the broncos and i'm looking at these numbers and i see that russell wilson is playing halfway decent it's mm. it's a little bit unfair to say the team completely sucks as it did last year mm. but guys broncos chiefs chiefs are a 10 and a half point favorite nick i want to start there because i think a lot of people just look at the broncos and go they're not any good they just lost to the jets at home they're obviously going to lose to the Chiefs by ten and a half,
1: right? Uh, yeah, probably. And uh, actually, I do take on bridge with one thing you said: the the Broncos just kind of like do suck. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> just, just really bad. Um, they have right now, what through five weeks of the season, like a historically bad defense. I'm not suggesting that it's gonna they're gonna finish the season like that. They might. It's really bad right now. And uh, and here comes you know Patrick Mahomes and company playing at home in Arrowhead. So the one thing that kind of screws the handicap of this game up, like the side of the game is fine. I think the total is fine. Kansas city should be a favorite in this range for what it's worth. Like I make the game 10. So I guess like I show like a little bit of theoretical value on Denver, but like, do I want to click that button and bet against Mahomes and bet on this Denver Broncos team with that defense? Like I don't, the thing that kind of screws the handicap though, and why I think we may see Denver draw some action as we approach kickoff coming up tonight on Thursday night is the wind in Arrowhead. And there'll be a bunch of games this weekend that'll be affected potentially by weather, specifically wind. And, you know, Baldy can speak to this also as someone that, that played in the NFL, right? It's not so much rain that screws up an offense, it's wind, right? That you can't get the ball down the field. Like rain, like the offense knows where it's going, the defense doesn't. Rain can actually maybe benefit an offense. Wind can kind of screw up an offense's well,
2: plan, so. Just, just to tag you there, Nick, honestly, what you'll see tonight Is everybody doing this because you can't hear anything in the wind like the 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 helmet with the ear holes and stuff like honestly quarterbacks can't hear there's no communication so and then it's just very difficult to gauge i mean you'd rather throw into the wind than the wind behind you like you'd rather you know with the arm strength of Patrick mahomes or russell wilson you'd rather throw through it than have it behind you and try to like you know sail it because it's just very difficult to gauge but Nobody will hear anything if it's twenty-five miles an hour or more tonight.
1: And, and right now we're looking at about twenty, and like just as betters, that's kind of like the benchmark that we look at to say, okay, like this could be problematic for for passing games. And what we'll generally see, guys, um, with weather is that the underdog will generally get bet if we think less points are going to get scored, right? If less points are scored, then a big point spread could become valuable. So I think Denver might actually be like a popular side tonight amongst like sharp bettors, pro bettors. Uh, That does not mean that I want to be on that side, because I think Isaiah Pacheco could run for a billion yards in this game. And also like the weather, the weather is finicky. The only people that are wrong more often than people that give gambling advice out as content are weathermen. So let's see how this goes coming up tonight. Uh, I lean towards the Chiefs, but it's a tough game to bet right now.
0: Shots fired to weathermen across the country. Yes. Nick Costos, let's talk about Seattle at the Bengals. Joe Burrow looked like Joe Burrow last week, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, wait a minute. Bengals at home, two and a half. Why not jump
1: on the Bengals? Tell me why not. Uh I. Some people, Carl, will ask the question in life, why not? I, I would ask, like, why wouldn't you do it? Uh I. I love the Bengals in this game, laying the two and a half against the Seahawks. Um, to me, Joe Burrow looked last week against Arizona, he's hashtag back, man. Like, his movement was unbelievable, right? Movement in the pocket, like slithering out of trouble. He even had one, like, totally swag play where he ran for, like, nine yards, slid, dropped the ball in front of the defender, and walked back to the huddle. And Burrow telling uh telling reporters yesterday on Wednesday that this is the best he's felt since before training camp. And I don't think that's just player speak. We literally saw it on the field well, this past Sunday, Nick, right? There's
2: a, there's a play last week where the protection breaks down. And he's got, Pete, like he's got somebody rolling at his feet from Arizona. He literally jumps up off that calf that's been wounded for two months. He jumps off the calf, over the guy, and lands. And I, I must have rewound to that ten times going, if you got a bad calf, you simply don't even try that, much less do it. And I thought that right there is the best. That play, forget the 15 catches by Jamar. That one play, I think, gave the entire team a lift like our quarterback is back We're back.
1: And, and and if he's back, then this number is short against the Seattle Seahawks and T. Higgins practiced on Wednesday in a limited fashion, putting him on track to play in the game obviously, and like Trenton Irwin played well last week, I so really now all of a sudden you've got like four legitimate receivers with Chase Higgins Boyd and the aforementioned Trenton Irwin so look, like Seattle's coming off the bye, should be healthy, right? The offensive line should be healthier than it was in the Monday night beatdown beat down a couple weeks ago against my Giants, but uh, for me, this is all about the quarterback and the point spread, it's below three, Burrow's back, give me the Bengals.
0: nick Costello's joining us you better you bet check him out check out the podcast as well it's in the huddle carl dukes brian baldinger jason lock on four part of this podcast as well as we run down games leading into week six all right here's the deal they're on the road but they held the cowboys right to six yards in the first quarter no first down for 17 minutes of that game the 49ers against the browns and i I, again on the road do, do you feel differently and i don't nick they're just that damn good. They're seven-point favorite on the road against the Browns. The over-under is 37. What do you like?
1: Yeah, I and I think, you know, the question that we might have to start asking is, like, is this going to be like a historical 49ers team, like some of the 49ers teams that I grew up watching? That 89 team, for my money, still like one of the best teams I've ever seen. Like, we'll see if this team can kind of reach those dizzying heights, but certainly think they've earned the distinction of being this big of a road favorite. And a couple things to consider that have pushed this number all the way up, because let's be clear here, right? If Deshaun Watson's the quarterback in this game and there's like perfect weather, San Francisco's probably like a three and a half point favorite. They're still favored by more than three, which is saying something on the road, and the Browns are good. That's still a really respectful line towards San Francisco. The reason why we're up at seven now, a like the weather is supposed to be horrendous this weekend. We we have a couple games every year in Cleveland that are like fake games with the wind coming off the lake. So the the wit, it's literally it could be a fake game. Like they played a couple of them last year also. So once we get to Sunday, let's see what the wind's going to be like. But like this this total open the first digit was a four, and then better saw the weather forecast on Monday morning, and literally like it has nothing to do with the game being played on the field. They are going to bet the under based on the weather and try and grab what are valuable numbers so that's why the total is what it is now normally when we have a total dropping the underdog will take action the problem with this specific game is maybe deshaun watson's not going to play and i'm sure baldy could speak and jlc could speak a lot better to this like more nfl um, connections than i have but everything that i hear with the connections that i have is that this is Watson literally saying like I'm not ready to go. And the Browns thought he should have been ready to play a couple Sundays ago against Baltimore when DTR had to start. And now he didn't practice on Wednesday. So, we no one kind of knows what's going to happen here. The Browns have already said and like I this goes noted, right, on Wednesday that if Watson can't go P.J. Walker is going to play, not DTR, which tells you that this is already kind of in their thought process that maybe Watson's not going to play. So I think the question that people need to ask themselves is if P.J. Walker is the starting quarterback in this game and the win's bad, like what's the right number? Like What's the right point spread in the game? I actually think it's got a little bit more room to go up. We're in the neighborhood here. Walker is at least a competent quarterback. Maybe DTR will be that one day. He's not now. So I, I, I don't know, man, if it's Watson and he's healthy, this point spread's obviously going to come down. If it's PJ Walker, I think it's actually still got a little bit of room to go up.
2: I think, I think Cleveland's going up against the best defense and the best offense in football. It'll be interesting, you know, just from this standpoint, like we'll, we'll probably get to this later in the podcast here today, but you know, Brock Purdy hasn't turned the ball over. Hasn't come close to turning the ball over. Like can Cleveland get him in bad weather with miles Garrett and, Z'Darri Smith and that group, can they get him to make a mistake? You know, and can Cleveland capitalize on that? Nobody's been able to do it yet. Dallas didn't come close. And they had the number one defense before the game last week. So, I don't know. Like, to me, uh, this quarterback situation in Cleveland is is, is really bizarre because the coach thought he was going to play two weeks ago in a division game in Baltimore. He -hmm. thought he was going to go. Like, when the coach doesn't – is, is clued, clu- clueless about who's playing quarterback that, that
0: sends ripples to the whole team. Yeah, that's they
1: still wish they had Josh Dobbs, by the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's not playing terrible, that's for sure. No. Um, it, it is interesting, and here's the other thing, guys. At some point, right, that the, you're past all the, the off the field stuff with Deshaun Watson, and just you know, this is a side note, this has nothing to do with betting the game and, and taking what you think is going to work on, on Sunday, but Baldy and, and you know, I, I think part of this is at some point you start looking at this money and you start saying, "What? Well, this is a hell of an investment we've got. And and we're not getting a return on this investment at all right now. And we can talk about all the off field stuff, but that stuff is behind him now. And now you're talking about just showing up for your team. And it's it is an interesting situation to see how this is going to play out. I like the 49ers guys and Nick, you, you, you make a great point about the weather stuff. The over under 37. Don't know if that goes down. You think it stays there, by the way, before we move on?
1: My sense would be um, if it goes down, it'll go down a little. And then maybe what you would see, and I don't know that this will be the case, just that like patterns emerge when you do this for long enough, is that if it gets low enough on Sunday, if like the forecast is not going to be like the worst forecast we've ever seen, like the Brown Saints game last year was like a fake game that was played in Cleveland. This might not be that. We'll see. My sense is that come Sunday, we might see some buyback and a little bit of over money come in. But I'm guessing based on what the weather is going to be on Sunday, really impossible to say right now.
0: Nick Costos, are the Dolphins gettable this weekend? Here come the 0-5 Carolina Panthers. They are a 13-and-a-half point favorite. Man, these numbers, man, you start talking double digits. I know the Dolphins are at home, but they lost the best running back, I think, so far this season, now on IR. And how does that change what they want to do, and do they cover this weekend?
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I may have big time egg on my face here. I actually feel like I'm on an island, which makes me a little nervous with this game. Um, I, I like Caroline a little bit to cover the spread here. Now, I liked it a lot more when it was 14. The A-chan injury, once that started to get out on Monday, kind of pushed this down a little bit under 14 to 13 and a half. Um. There's a lot going on right now with the Panthers like behind the scenes and like what Mike McDaniel said yesterday about Bryce Young and maybe Frank Reich needs to give up the play calling duties to the OC Thomas Brown. It's like a lot going on here with, with Bryce Young. Um, Here's my opinion. And I know that it was kind of in garbagey time last week in the second half against Detroit. I thought he played really well in the second half last week and Baldy can obviously speak better to this as someone that played at the highest level. Right. But just like me as a fan, The patterns that emerge watching games for over 30 years every Sunday, et cetera, right? Like, I saw him have some success. And that's the first time this year he's had success, like throwing the football And this offense with him, like the one Dalton game, they looked functional. They were functional in the second half against Detroit. And I think he could carry that into this game against the Miami Dolphins. And I'm not insinuating the Panthers can win the game. Just that I think this offense now with the three receivers are now finally healthy. Like Thielen's like rejuvenated right now, playing in the slot. Charks healthy. He's not great, but he can at least separate a little bit. And I think the best receiver on the team is actually Jonathan Mingo. And he's off the concussion now getting more acclimated into the offense um i actually think if miles sanders doesn't play it might be a good thing because he's not 100 get chuba hubbard in there at least get a healthy running back so i do think the carolina can score enough to fall inside the number and cover the spread not win the game and just one player that i'm watching this weekend on the miami side like a obviously on ir Mostert will be the one a like jeff wilson will probably be activated and be the one yeah. b a couple weeks ago, I watched Dolphins running back, who's no one's ever heard of, by the way. But I'm sick with this stuff, and I love fantasy, so I know all this stuff. Chris Brooks had a 66 yard run a couple weeks ago for Miami in the 70 point win, a uh, 70 point game against Denver. Had a great block last week in the in the uh, in the Giants game. He kind of profiles to me more than Salvan Ahmed as like the speedy change of pace back. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Chris Brooks get a couple totes it's, in this game, it, it, and uh, maybe look a little decent.
2: It's a classic Mike McDaniel find. Like he, he literally, if you go back, Cleveland, Atlanta, <clears throat> San Francisco, I mean, most had been around the league, cut, practice squad, been all over the league until McDaniel said he's our guy. And same thing with Jeffrey Wilson, free agent in North Texas. Like he just has the eye for guys that can play in his system, like nobody else. Kyle. Kyle Shanahan and Lynch, they they trusted him to go find these guys. He found Elijah Mitchell out of Louisiana. Like, he has an eye for this. And I agree with you, Nick. That that run by Chris Brooks, that wasn't – you should always pay
0: attention to the running backs in a Mike McDaniel offense. Well, it doesn't seem like they'll be lacking for any production from their running backs. That room is deep. Uh, and, and although they'll miss, you know, a uh, I, I think – Bottom line is they're going to be fine. Hey, let me ask you about this game. It's uh, Carl Dukes. It's Brian Baldinger, guys. This is in the huddle. Every week we get a chance to chop it up with Nick Costos. You better, you bet. As we talk gambling and look ahead to the week's games, Eagles-Jets. Eagles are the other undefeated team, right? I mean, you know, we could talk about who's the best NFC. You know, it looks like it's going to be another showdown between the 49ers and the Eagles. I don't know who has home field, but the Eagles are 5-0. and Baldy and I are going to get into how well that defensive line and those defensive tackles are playing here a little bit later, but the Jets at home, seven point underdog to the Eagles. And for some reason, I just feel like that number should be better. I don't think we've seen the best of the Eagles yet this season. Do you guys feel that way? They were awfully good last
2: week against the Rams. I mean, uh, they didn't put up a lot of points, but they went up and down the field all day. They they have some red zone issues. You saw Jason Kelsey blow up on the sideline out of frustration, Mm -hmm. but it was the best that Jalen Hurts played all year. I think he'd been bothered by some ankle problems, and he he turned it loose last week. And when he turns it loose, this offense is almost indefensible. You saw Dallas Goddard break out last week, a huge, huge game. A.J. Brown, three weeks in a row right now, is almost unstoppable. It's the best offensive line in football. They have issues in the secondary for sure. Every week it's different guys um, because of injuries. But I, I feel like this this offense is just beginning to take off.
1: Yeah, and I I think we'll uh, Carl just on the home field. Who's gonna have home field in that potential game? Like yeah. November twentieth, Eagles at the Chiefs. December third, Niners at the Eagles. So we got some Titanic games coming up uh, later in the season. That probably we'll we'll decide that that we're looking forward to. Um, in this particular game, um. I I bet the Eagles at a number that doesn't exist. This was six earlier in the week, and I was just like, okay, like, no. Um, And I can lose the bet. It doesn't mean, like, I made a good, like, mathematical bet. It doesn't mean I'm going to win. But I was like, okay, I think this point spread should be higher, and it is now. I think we're probably existing in the right zone here. Um, I I guess, like, my problem with the Jets in this game, and I bet the Jets last week against Denver, like, I liked the matchup. um, What's the matchup that, like, the theoretical matchup that if you like the Jets... What are you yeah. hanging your hat on as far as the on-field yeah. handicap goes? You're, you're right hanging it on
2: Brees Hall having a day like he had last week. Okay. That's what you're trying to do, Nick.
1: Well, yes, you're right. Also, that was Denver. Denver. Yes. this is this is philadelphia so it's th- th- so a long story short is i like the eagles i think the point spread's okay right now i think the eagles are a fantastic teaser like like i mean look it's not a great mathematical teaser like because you're teasing off seven but i mean ha- the eagles and 49ers down to just win the game sounds pretty good to me this week
0: all right one last game monday night football cowboys chargers i want to get your thoughts because the cowboys coming off that devastating loss they only scored 10 points everybody's on them right they, now they've got injuries they're dealing with. Vander Esch is out. You've got some other injuries. What happens? Do they bounce back? And do they cover the two and a half on the road against the Chargers?
1: Uh, I'll, I'll be honest here. Like I always am with you guys and my audi- audience on You Better You Bet. Um, I think that I'm making a stupid bet in this game. And it's kind of an emotional bet. And I try not to make these too often. Because I actually think like the sharp side in the game is going to be Dallas coming off the the game last week. It's like a classic, like, contrarian bet. They get embarrassed. They get pantsed by the Niners, dominated, humiliated last week. And now, like, oh, like, now they got to go play the Chargers on the road. Where, by the way, like, which team do you guys think is going to have more of a home field advantage in Los Angeles? Cowboys, yeah. But it's it's not even close. That stadium's going to be, like, 80% Cowboys fans. This is going to be, like, a home game almost for Dallas, minus the travel, obviously. Um, so I think that sharp bettors will be on Dallas. Uh, I'm going to bet the Chargers in this game. Uh, I love what I've seen from the Dallas defense in a couple games this season, and we talk about it on our show. Micah Parsons, the hashtag, hashtag doomsday that he put out after the Giants game right in week one. Great. You doomsdayed the Giants. You doomsdayed the Jets you doomsdayed the Patriots. What happened when you played two actually decent offenses? You got shredded by the 49ers. And by the way, like the Cardinals offense has been really good this year and they're an over team. And the first digit, by the way, in the Cardinals Rams total needs to be a five and it's a four. That game's going over the total on Sunday, just as an aside. So when Dallas plays good offenses, they give up yards and they give up points. Here comes off the bye, Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen. I think we'll see the rookie Quinton Johnston more into this offense this week with the bye. I think he's got a chance to be like fantasy football league winner Palmer's still there. Um, So look like maybe Dallas runs for a billion yards. And this is kind of like the Tony Pollard breakout game that fantasy owners have been waiting for prop betters have been waiting for, for me, this is like chargers at home, healthier team Dak under the lights. I'll take the chargers here. But again, but again, like I think the Cowboys will be the sharp side. I happen to disagree. So give me the bolts,
2: Nick. um, What's the prop bet in this Monday night game for the cutaways to Kellen Moore. Like, I think, you know, if, if this Chargers offense goes up and down the field and Keenan keeps doing what he's been doing all year and Eckler's mm-hmm. back in this lineup and this Cowboys defense is giving up yards and points, are we going to see Kellamore like every single play like we saw Taylor, you know, like, you know, like Taylor Swift the other day? Like, I feel like. Kellen Moore is going to be as big a story as anything in this game.
1: Yeah, it's a, they obviously, and you do a great job. I should have mentioned this. The, it's the Kellen Moore, like Dan Quinn chess match, right? Former Cowboys coordinator yes. and play caller against the, the defensive uh, coordinator and play caller. And it's not like this doesn't have to turn into like Kellen Moore versus Dan Quinn. It's like players versus players, right? And I like the Chargers offense right now more than I like the Cowboys defense. Maybe I'll eat those words. I, I like the matchup for the Chargers here, and I'm willing to be wrong, and maybe the Cowboys like get back on track and win the game. Uh, I think the Chargers are ascending right now. I'll take Herbert over Dak Prescott any day of the week, twice on Sunday, three times on a Monday night in L.A. Uh, give me the Chargers on Monday night.
0: All right, Nick, before we let you go, i got to ask you about the Purdy MVP conversation, and more importantly, from a betting standpoint, what does this look like if you jumped on now with them being 5-0 and and how well he's
1: played? Okay, so two things here. Let's start on entry point, like when to bet somebody. This is like the act, the absolute, like actual worst time to bet bet Brock Purdy. First off, like the price is extremely short. He's like grouped in with like guys that are gonna have better stats than him when the season's over, whether it's Allen, Mahomes, Hurts, um, et cetera, right? Also, you have the fact that they're playing on the road this weekend in a potential, like, ridiculous wins game with a total of 37. So the Niners can win the game, of course. Is Brock Purdy going to throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns in this game with 25-mile-per-hour wins against this defense on the road? Like, probably not. I'm not saying he's going to play poorly. Just that, again, like, ask yourself this. Is he likely to have a great statistical game on Sunday in this particular matchup? No. So probably these odds will probably drop a little bit, and then we can maybe have a different conversation next week. But now is a terrible time to do it. The other thing is, if Brock Purdy, and I'm not saying he can't, if he wins MVP... The way that he does it is San Francisco goes like 16 and one or 15 and two, and has the best record in the league by like at least one game, maybe even two. Because if they go like 13 and four, and the Bills go 13 and four, or the Chiefs go 13 and four, et cetera, right? And the Eagles go 14 and three, those quarterbacks are going to have better stats than Purdy. Also, McCaffrey is going to, as long as he's healthy, is going to cannibalize the vote. And yep. McCaffrey's going to get votes also. Yep. So it's not that Purdy can't win. It's just that in order for him to win, you need something very specific to happen because he won't have the stats to compare with the Titans in the AFC, not the Tennessee Titans, the Titans among the quarterbacks. You need them to go like 16 and one. And that's how Purdy wins. I think it's unlikely. I'm not bagging on him. He's awesome. Just that I don't think this is a likely thing that I would not want to bet on it.
0: Nick, tell the people where they can find your podcast. When are you on, my friend?
1: Yeah, we're on 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern weekdays, Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can find us on uh, all the places that you, uh, you know, whatever, uh, Twitch, YouTube, radio station, stationwide, the Odyssey app, the BetQL app. We're now on Sirius XM, which is awesome, Sirius 217, XM 205. And we're now simulcast by our friends at Stadium, but weekdays, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time as well.
0: Great stuff, man. Nick Costos, you better, you bet. Make sure you check him out. We will talk next week. Get money, as I like to say, Nick,
1: get money. Absolutely. Wishing everybody minimal sweats winning bets. The absolute very best of luck.
0: All right, guys. Nick Costos here on in the huddle. Guys, subscribe, like us, and you can watch us on YouTube at In The Huddle Pod. And uh, tell your friends about us, guys. Do not miss an episode. Baldy Week 6 is approaching. We record this on Thursday. And and I got to tell you, the 49ers look like the most dominant team in the league. And last week, that beatdown of the Cowboys. Kittle, three touchdowns. Purdy, again, doing Purdy things, no mistakes. McCaffrey, 14th straight game where he's gained or scored a touchdown in the regular season. You start looking at all this stuff, Baldy, I'm going, who in the hell's stopping the 49ers? And I want to get your breakdown on this because up front, I mean, I'm defensively, they're as good as anybody. And you've been telling me for two years they've got the best two linebackers in the league. And boy, did they show out last week. Oh man, Fred Warner and Trey Greenlaw were awesome last week. And you know, it's it's uh
2: it's they're not two individuals, they play together. So I was talking to Fred. Um, before the Steeler game, week one, about it. And, you know, this is their fifth year together. Mm. Fifth year, and you know, different coordinators now over five years, but five years playing together. There's nothing that they don't know and how to th- – that they don't see together through the same eyes. And so it's a, it's a luxury because they've been very, very healthy. Fred's never missed a game. Never missed a game. High school, college, pro. He's just – you know, he's a freak. But, you know, they they, they play the game – I said this last week, Nick, like in honor of Dick Butkus and the passing of Dick Butkus last week, it, it hit me emotionally just because he was the gladiator we all watched as a kid growing up. And I, was, I just said, like, if Dick Butkus was on the sideline watching that game against Dallas last week, he would appreciate the way the 49ers play. Different errors, but he would look at that defense and go, that's how you play defense. You just smother teams. You hit everything that moves as violently and with no fear Like they they do. And, you know, and then up front, you know, Armstead and Bosa, you know, like they're they're getting after people. So I, I love the way that they play. They force Dak into more mistakes. Like it just won't stop. And, you know, that was the number one defense in football going in, regardless of who they played. And they got shredded. They got absolutely shredded. And Micah Parsons, for maybe one of the first times in three years, Carl, I didn't think he had any impact on the game at all. Like, I can always find plays that he impacts where he's just flushing a quarterback or making him throw it away. Like, he just didn't do that. And they handled it. And I just feel like McCaffrey is this guy. He's this, this piece that Kyle Shanahan has never had. You know, he's had great quarterbacks. He's had great receivers. Like, but he's never had McCaffrey. And he's just so talented. And the way that they use him, I mean, he's on the backside of a play. He's come in motion. You're just like, okay, he's just a decoy. And the next thing you know, he's catching a touchdown pass. You know, and, and you go, how do they even design some of these plays and time it up the way it looks like it's meant to be? So they're clicking. Um, they're, I, I I think Nick mentioned, you know, 1994, they lo- the 49ers lost their first two games. Steve Young was the quarterback. And they won every game, including the Super Bowl. Um, you know, against the Chargers that year. They ended up, I don't know, 16-2, and two, whatever it was. But I feel like this looks like that type of team.
0: Yeah, I, I want to just mention this because it is interesting. 49ers at Browns this week, guys. Um, they're running, and I don't know the technical term. You know, I've heard coaches say ghost mo- motion. Yeah. But, I, but I'm watching the 49ers, and you, you know, I'm very familiar with Kyle and, and I've known him yeah. a long time. And I'm watching the Dolphins, Baldy, and I'm curious if you see the similarities between what Mike, Mike McDaniel's doing and what the 49ers are doing. Now, everybody was freaking out, you know, early on, three weeks into the season, going, this Dolphins def- offense, unstoppable. But if you put these offenses side by side with the motion, how you see, you know, the cheetah running full speed, and then the play starts, and you're like, okay, where is he going? What are they doing with him? And then you see McCaffrey doing a similar thing, and I'm like, these two guys, again... They, they are brilliant at creating these opportunities and mismatches well, against defenses.
2: Well, it's a philosophy, okay? And actually, if you if you go and look at, you know, the next generation stats, uh, they're number one and number two in the league in pre-snap motion, okay? So almost every single play, depend, you know, outside of a, the clock just running down, they just got to line up. But almost every single play, there's a shift and there's a motion. Mm. All right, and so the philosophy is this is the defense takes a look at the initial formation. All right, so 11 guys take a snapshot. Then there's a shift. Now it's a different formation, okay? They were five wide. Now they got an eye formation. Now the defense takes another snapshot. Now here comes Kittle in motion. Here comes the cheat in motion, whatever. And now the defense takes another snapshot. So they've literally looked at 33 different pictures, okay, in, in, in about six seconds. And all they're trying to do, like there is a there is a real purpose behind all of this. But all they're trying to do is just get the defense to hesitate, to freeze. Because in that moment of hesitation, A-Chain, McCaffrey, they're by you. Um, you know, Kittle's coming on a reverse and, you know, to Debo, the back to Purdy, touchdown, you know, down the sideline. They're just getting you to freeze for one second. That's what Denver did all game long. That's what the Cowboys were guilty of last week. Like everybody should actually be looking at this more carefully than they do because there is, it is causing defenses to just hesitate and you just can't simply play as fast
0: as you want to play. Yeah. It's a great point. Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes, put them up. We're in the huddle guys each and every week. One other thing I do want to mention about this game. And I'm just, I was so impressed with the 49ers. Is this the way you limit Micah? They chipped him. They doubled him. He had, it seemed like he had no free run with one-on-ones off the edge, Baldy. And, and I kept looking at this and I said, they're not going to let him beat them. There's no way tonight they're not, not They're not going to let Micah disrupt them to the point where he beats them. Well, you know, they, they've had, they had
2: a lot of tape to study. Because obviously the Cowboys got beat by the 49ers, you know, the past two playoff games, but Micah was effective in all those games and the way that he came off the edge, the way that he was kind of the, the free, you know, the free rusher allowed to go kind of wherever he wanted to go. And they had a good game plan for him. And he looked totally frustrated. He didn't get free runs at the quarterback. He was, I mean, all of a sudden he's like coming inside Trent Williams and Aaron Banks and there's, you know, juice just popping him Like, I mean, just sitting there waiting for that head to come through and he just gets popped and jolted. And so, Um, it was a little bit like, not to get off the the 49ers, but the Eagles last week did literally the same thing to Aaron Donald. And Jason Kelsey, they they were studying. In fact, I got a message, a text message from one of the linemen during their Wednesday install meeting going, have you ever seen Aaron Donald Like the week before against the Indianapolis Colts? The Colts couldn't function as an offense. (laughs) Aaron Donald just ruined like every play. And so they're sitting in this meeting, and I get this text message going, Baldy have you been watching Aaron Donald? I go, yeah, he was like, he he ruined the Colts' offense. They sit there in that meeting they're going, he's not going to do that to our offense. And they came (laughs) up with a game plan in in that meeting going, this is what we should do to Aaron Donald with Jason Kelsey,
0: Lane Johnson, the whole group. And he had no impact in the game whatsoever. That's about the game plan, guys. The Eagles look good. We're going to talk about them coming up here. Baldy, the other team that I'm impressed with, and I want to get your thoughts, the Lions, right? They win 42 24, Lions at Buccaneers this week. But all the things we wondered, and by the way, no Jameer Gibbs, no Amon Ra St. Brown in that game, okay? And they dominated. And now they've won 12 of their last 15 going back to last season. So we said, all right, what we saw last season, can they build on it? Mm-hmm. They have not only built on it, they have created a culture, I think, now where people are saying they're the front runners to win that division. And, uh, and, and Baldy, they created three turnovers in the first half, two picks and a fumble. Defense is getting after it. So, yeah, how's Detroit doing this? You know, hats off to
2: their personnel group. Like, they're drafting unbelievable. You know, the tight end, I mean, I think people would be shocked after five weeks if they don't know this, but the tight end with the most receiving yards in the league right now is Sam Laporta.
0: He's he's incredible.
2: Yeah. More than any other tight end. You love this kid, though. When we we talked about him in the draft, you loved him. So, you know, because the one thing, you know, I remember just talking to George Kittle. You come out of Iowa, okay, yeah. and you play for Kirk Ferens at Iowa, and you're a tight end. You don't get on the field. Doesn't matter how fast you run, how well you catch. You never get on the field until you can block. So you live in a weight room. You build your body up. You, 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 you hit the, the blocking dummies and the one-on-ones like offensive tackles. And so you watch Sam Laporte. The first thing you notice – the guy can block like he's very, very good. And then you watch him run and you watch him run after a catch. So there's no Amon Ross, St. Brown last week. There's, you know, no, like you meant no Gibbs, but there was Laporta. You know, he had a big day. He had two touchdown catches in the game. Um, he had the reverse, uh, you know, uh, back to uh, Jared Goff for the touchdown. Touchdown, Yeah. Almost the same play that George Kittle scored. I it was kind of ironic, but but then you, you you look at what they've drafted, you know, like you you look at um, what they have on the offensive line. You look at Jack Campbell. You look at Aiden Hutchinson. You look at some of these players that they have drafted, you know, and Kirby Joseph at free safety. Like they have struck gold in so many different positions. You go across the board. And then I remember talking to Dan Campbell um, during training camp this year. And I asked him, you know, you, you completely changed the running back room. Why? And he said, look, we had to defend David Montgomery the last two years. And we couldn't tackle him when he was in Chicago. I wanted that I wanted that type of pack. You know, and then he wanted speed, you know, a change of pace in Jameer Gibbs. So you watch Montgomery last week, he goes for over a hundred. Yep. And they couldn't tackle him. And and um, and that's he wanted that physical component to the running game. And Montgomery's giving it to him right now. And so, but defensively Aiden Hutchinson, like he's, he's as good a young, you know, he's up there right now with Max Crosby and, and Nick and TJ. Like he's in that conversation. He has this interception last week. It's his third interception. No, his fourth interception. Fourth. fourth yeah. Fourth it's interception already. Like he's got great hands. He can play linebacker. Like he is. And he plays with such energy. And now he's getting help on the inside from something Lee McNeil and some of these guys. Um, they're, this is going to be a good game in Tampa. I Like, I'm looking forward to this one. But Detroit, I know Tampa's had a week to get ready. They're playing good defensively.
0: But Jared Goff is playing the best football he's ever played. I agree. And he's already been to a Super Bowl. You know, people thought he would fall off by going to the Lions. He's actually gotten better uh, since getting there. And by the way, I, I need to get a Max Crosby shirt, bro, because he was a he was unbelievable the other night. I mean, like, you talk about willing your team to win. It is rare, guys, that a defensive player can do what he did the other night when you just say, we're not losing tonight, and then I'm going to be so disruptive, and I'm going to be in on every play. Quarterback hits, sacks, forcing forcing the issue on the edge. I mean, he just was incredible, man.
2: Four, four, four tackle for losses. He now – in his last four years now, has more tackle for losses than anybody in the game. Anybody. Um, he plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Um, he texted me after the game and said, "We're you know, like, tell me what you think. He always asked me to, to watch his game. So um, he – and, and he, you know, the last two weeks, Carl, he's played every single snap. This isn't a rotation guy. He plays every single snap. He plays the first – and so I was talking, actually, Derek Carr last week when I was in New England about him. He goes, hey, but he came up to me. Derek came up to me, not about anything else, but I just wanted to let you know. Yeah. We love watching Max Crosby videos that you make. I go, really? He goes, he goes, Baldy, you have no idea. Like, he's, the way that guy practices, I've never seen anything else like it. We all have the utmost respect because you can't play like he plays. Like, literally, nobody can block him. Nobody. And so... But that's how he practices every day. And so hats off to Max. And all he's thinking about is the next game this week, you know, the New England Patriots. Like, he just wants
0: to get a win. It's not really even about him. He just wants to win another game. Effort, man. I mean, his effort is off the charts. It just is. All right, let's talk about the Jets because they got revenge, if you want to call it that, against the Broncos. They get the Eagles at home on Sunday in the 4 o'clock window. I want to talk about the Jets, but then I want to talk about the Eagles because the Eagles are the other team that's just been impressive. But the Jets, you know, listen, with all the turmoil and adversity, Baldy, to go on the road, say what you want, and win that game against the Broncos, I give that staff credit. I give Robert Sala and everybody credit. But they did what they need to do to win, right? The philosophy for for them is run the football, play good defense. That's got to be how they're going to win games. Now, I don't know how many they can win, but tell me what you thought about that. And then we'll talk about the Eagles, who are 5-0 and coming into this game on Sunday. Well, I was up
2: at the Jets uh, all morning yesterday uh, doing some stuff, you know, for them and um, doing stuff for the Robert Sala show whatnot. But, you know, look, they scored one touchdown last week in Denver, and it was Brees Hall's 72 yard, And hats off to Brees. But I don't know that he scores a 72 yard against any other defense in the league. What they did on the play was, like, everything was fundamentally wrong from the Broncos' standpoint. So they got the one touchdown. The, the thing that kind of gets covered up a little bit because they did win and the defense scored a defensive touchdown. Right. They got a safety. They did a lot of good things. But I won't take anything away from the defense and what they did to Denver. But you watch Zach Wilson, and, yes, he's playing better. But, you know, he, he's still – he's running for first downs, head first, mm-hmm. sliding. Like, he's not going to survive in this league running and head. The rules are made to slide. Protect yourself. He doesn't do that. Though he put the ball on the ground twice. Against Denver Broncos didn't get it, but he and he recovered his fumbles, but he fumbled twice on third and five late in the game. You know, he's got to play in the middle of the field. It's a first down. Just run the clock. Don't let Denver get the ball. And he throws a deep shot to Garrett Wilson and, you know, Patrick Chretan intercepts it. And you just go. You can't live with these mistakes. Now, is there a formula that they can beat the Eagles? There is. But the Jets, again, they lost their starting right tackle. Probably their best offensive lineman for the season. Like Ali Vera Tucker goes down. Like nobody knew that he tore his Achilles, but he tore his Achilles. Like, it's just it, like the you just can't keep losing great players, especially in the offensive line. And so while they played better and the quarterback is calmed down a little bit, they're not good enough to beat the Eagles. Now the Eagles could lay down and you know they could overlook the Jets. I don't think they will. Right. Um, it's not Jalen Hurts, it's not his style. But I just don't. Believe that the Jets are built good enough in the trenches is, and they're talented up front on defense. But I just don't believe they're built well enough to beat a team like the Eagles. Because I, I watch a guy like Jalen Carter. Yep. Like this kid. I mean, we've talked about it. And we're going to keep talking about it. But he's as disruptive an in interior force. There's Chris Jones. There's Aaron Donald. But he's as in, as disruptive an in interior force right now,
0: Carl, as anybody in this league. Yeah, his hands—the way he's using his hands, his his swim move is there already. I mean, he's beating you know veteran offensive linemen with pass rush moves that most guys don't get early on in their career, and that's what's well, been impressive. Well, you know, he's from Apopka, Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a town outside of Orlando, middle of the state. Uh,
2: it's also the same town as um, my <laughs> as Warren Sapp. So you know, SAP is like you know, I I, and I call him sometimes. I call this kid Baby SAP, and SAP gets on me. He's like, "Don't you dare compare any rookie to you know, yeah, Yeah. this whole you know." He SAP gets worked up about it, but you know, like SAP has been watching him, and he watches like he doesn't give anybody like just instant credit. Like, got to earn it. But this kid's got a club, like a power club move that he looks like a young Reggie White Mm -hmm. the way he's slapping guys. And then to the swim inside, outside, right, left. Like, he knows how to rush the passer. And then when he wants to come with power, when he knows he can just run right through him like he did the center for the Rams last week, he'll run right through him. And then he plays hard. He plays really hard. They were down Fletcher Cox last week. They were down Marlon Polo to, uh, to uh, Um, You didn't
0: notice it because of him. Eagles at jets should be an interesting game to see uh, how the jets come back and try to respond at home i'm with you i just don't think anybody up front maybe the 49ers again this is later in the year uh we'll see what the cowboys do but can match what the eagles are doing on both sides of the football that offensive line is legit all right as we move along guys talking about upcoming games this week um I i gotta talk about a team that has been a pleasant surprise but I don't know if they're on anybody's radar. And of course, you know, Seahawks have been really good. They're 3 and 1. Bengals at home this week. And Baldy, we were talking about Joe Burrow and this whole calf thing and would this be something that he would have to deal with for the, you know, remainder of the season? And I said if he if he does, they're not going to win a lot of games because he's just not himself when he can't be, mo- you know, have that mobility. But all of a sudden last week Chase goes off. That connection looks like, you know, that they're back. And you saw Burrow making the kinds of plays that we've all been wowed by the last couple of years. So here come the Seahawks. Bengals win last week. I think this is one of the most intriguing games of of Sunday afternoon in the one o'clock window. Tell me what you think about that, that Seahawks team coming into Cincinnati on Sunday. Well,
2: there's an old philosophy in, in anything in life, Carl. And it says you can change any behavior in an instant. You quit smoking you can quit, quit drinking. Like there's people that can just change, whether you know what for whatever reason you can change behaviors in an instant. And I felt like in an instant, the Bengals changed their fortune last week mm. against a pesky Arizona team. Now it, it, you know it went deep into the third quarter, and Arizona couldn't convert a fourth and one, and blah blah blah. But you know the week before, Jamar Chase was asked, you know, um, can are, are you open? He had three catches for negligible yards. And he said, I'm open. I'm always bleeping open. (laughs) Last week, he was always bleeping open. Yeah. And, you know, it was, you know, in large part because the quarterback just said, okay, enough," And he's gotten better. And in one instant, I feel like the Bengals team is back. Um, I think they could beat anybody in this league right now when Joe Burrow throws the ball like he did. And if he makes any incremental improvement, from what we saw last week in Arizona to this week, it's going to be trouble. As good as Seattle has looked at times, and we saw Devin Witherspoon look awesome against the Giants, and he's the real deal. All that stuff. Um, they're they're going to have a hard time because the Bengals' defense is legit. I yeah. mean, Trey Hendrickson and Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt last week had a huge game. I, they're legit. So they got a lot of good young players. Dax uh, Dax Hill is a good player um they're well coached I I feel like this team is back they're in the jungle um I love what Pete Carroll is doing I just think this is a tough spot for Seattle
0: so we get early football in London uh again on Sunday Ravens Titans the Ravens offense and I was talking with Jason about this earlier this week you know just kind of like mm, and, and it was funny because Jason goes ask Baldy what he thinks about this Ravens offense and I said okay um, because at it, it times it's looked like we thought it would, and then at times it hasn't. And I'm like, okay, so what are they missing? What's going on here? And then I realized, Baldy, they had five drops last week. Lamar's hitting, Lamar's hitting guys in the hands. And if you just look at the score, you go, oh, Lamar's not playing good. Five crucial drops last week. Well, two of them were by Zay Flowers, okay?
2: And the rookie is really good. But it was classic Lamar where he's just, you know, he's avoiding – the rush and he's got his eyes down the field and he flicks this 40 yarder to Zay flowers wide open goes right through his hands. Mm. Like it's 40 yards. I mean, you, you get a 40 yard play. You're scoring in this league. Now people will just look at the final play, you know, to Odell Beckham jr. And it's a poor throw. And Joey Porter jr. Comes up with the pick. Um, look, Pittsburgh put 14 points on the board in the fourth quarter. They dominated Baltimore dominated that game for three and a half quarters. Um, Look, I I don't, I don't believe in Odell Beckham Jr. right now. I just don't like, there's nothing to tells me like he is anywhere near what we even saw two years ago when he was with the Rams briefly. He doesn't look like the same player. Now the poor, the throw was poor in the end zone. You got to live with it, but the drops were bad. Right. Lamar, I think is playing very well. Defensively. They're still, they're still a tough team. Um, That was a, that was a horrible loss, but that's Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Like that's just a different level of intensity that you see in this business. Uh, TJ Watt, just second half was unstoppable. So, but I like, I like Baltimore, like Tennessee shows up one week. They don't show up another week. Last week, the offense was invisible Indianapolis never let Derrick Henry get going. Never. Like they just attacked the line of scrimmage. And if you can't beat them over the top, um, when, they, when teams try to do that, compress the line of scrimmage, eight-man fronts, Derrick Henry, you know, um, Tajay Spears, you're not beating us. Like, if you can't beat Baltimore over the top in a pass game and Tennessee couldn't do that to Indianapolis last week, you're probably going to have a bad
0: offense today. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. Uh, it's going to be interesting. That's the early game, by the way, in London, Ravens-Titans. A couple more things we got to cover, guys. It's in the huddle. Subscribe, like us. You can watch us on YouTube, as I've said, at In The Huddle Pod. Many ways to check us out uh, here on In The Huddle. And Jason Lock on Four, a part of this podcast as well. Baldy's breakdowns, he puts them out all the time. Make sure you check those out on social media. Let's talk about uh, the, the Monday night game um, because the Cowboys are coming off of one of their worst losses. And here are the Chargers sitting in the cut, kind of waiting for the Cowboys. You know, I, I don't know, man. I, I want to say they rebound. But then I have no confidence in Dak. I I just don't. And Baldy, that's kind of where I've been. And then in a big spot last week, you know, the offense didn't show up. He had the nice one touchdown throw, but it just wasn't enough. And I think he's shouldering a lot of the pressure right now with what's going on offensively. And people are saying, should McCarthy change the offense? Like, what more can he do? What's going to happen on Monday night as the Cowboys take on the Chargers? Well, if you think about it, and we're, you know,
2: This is not to beat up Dak, but, you know, he's showing who he is. Like, he's mistake-prone. If he gets late in the progressions, he makes mistakes. If you design a play for Gavante Turpin, like, Dak can hit it, you know, and he hit the touchdown pass. But, you know, I kind of watch – like, they couldn't run the ball last week, and, you know, that's what Mike McCarthy wants to do. But they weren't good enough up front against San Francisco to run the ball. And so that takes away – Like, if you're asking Dak to elevate the team around him, he simply isn't capable of doing it in big spots. Last week was a big spot. This is a big spot. So I look at the Chargers, and, you know, Kellen Moore is on the other side, and he was running the offense with Dak. And I'm sure there'll be a very brief love fest before the game uh, that the cameras will all capture. Yeah. But I like what Kellen Moore is doing. Like, I saw Keenan Allen before the Minnesota game. Like, he's got 34 catches in four games. He's got three touchdowns. He's putting them in all these different spots. And the the passing offense goes through Keenan Allen. He couldn't be happier. Now, he's got all the surrounding pieces he needs. You know, like, he's got the rookie out of TCU, and he's got Josh Palmer, and, you know, Eckler will be back. But this, I mean, right now, Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, I don't know what Dallas is going to do to try to slow it down Mm -hmm. because it's almost impossible to try to double them or get your best corner on him and get Gilmore locked up. Like, you would like to try to maybe do that a lot. So, you know, the offensive line has played good. I, I like the Chargers. They got they had a week to get ready. I don't think they're the best coach team, but I think offensively, Justin Herbert, he's running the ball more. He's already got three touchdown runs this year. Yep. He had none last year. Quarterback sneaks. He's running and t- taking off a little bit more. He's He's a very good athlete. You have to account for him. I like, and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I I like the Chargers in this game to get
0: right and to keep their winning streak going. Baldy, what's wrong with the Giants? They get the Bills. Uh, Bills look like they've clicked now. Giants at the end of last season, we talked about Brian Dable and the run game and how you know, and it just doesn't look the same. Like I I don't know what's going on there with the Giants. They're one and four, but but I say that to say they've got a tough contest. Because this looks like another L against the Bills, uh, as the Bills are at home this weekend. It's a bounce back game for the Bills. Um, they, the Giants are completely dysfunctional on offense, Carl.
2: Now, look, they're without Saquon and they're without right. Andrew Thomas. They're their two best players on offense. Period. So they're without. They've been without their two best players now. Um, but so now, you know, gosh, they lose their rookie center on a you know a tush push play that they didn't know how to run. Um, you know, <laughs> nobody so does better. that better than the Eagles right nobody <laughs> nobody's better everybody tries to imitate you know often imitated never duplicated that kind yeah. of thing but you know Ben Breederson is a nice player he's a backup player he's a starting center he, he's not a good center um, they've got backups at left tackle backups at right guard um, backups at left guard the, the right tackle has struggled since he's come into this league and Evan Neal like they can't function up front right now Carl And the quarterback has zero confidence that they can function. So, you know, all the stuff we saw in preseason and we talked about in the offseason, Jalen Hyatt is a deep threat. Paris Campbell in the slot. And Darren Waller is a matchup. Like, none of that stuff is happening. And then defensively, like, they don't know how to tackle. Mm. Like, you know, you you watch them last week, and they're giving up these touchdown runs two weeks in a row where there's the sideline. All you got to do is get the guy out of bounds. And they're taking bad angles. Like, it's horrendous what they're doing defensively. And so I think they're just in a – I I don't know. Like, if I said, okay, you could change things in an instant, is this the instant that they turn things around? I mean, nobody knows Buffalo better than Brian Dable, Joe Shane, you know, leaving that nest. So maybe they know something that other teams don't. But I don't see this as a bounce-back game for the
0: Giants, watching the level of dysfunction that I've seen two weeks in a row. It's fair. All right, before we get out of here, uh, this is where we are in in, in week five heading to week six. The Patriots got humiliated last week. We know that nobody scares anybody on that offense, especially at wide receiver. We've talked about it, Baldy, on this show, even going back to the offseason as they tried to collect the personnel. The question, though, is if this continues, right, and they go downhill, what's it mean for Bill Belichick? I know it's early. But everybody is already talking about the idea that Robert Kraft is not going to tolerate, you know, these kinds of losses. If the offense stays inept, you've bent your quarterback twice in back-to-back games in the second half. You talk about dysfunction. This seems like it's dysfunctional right now in New England. It is dysfunctional. I was there.
2: I saw the shutout. I mean, if the Patriots had the ball for 10 more possessions, they weren't going to score. (laughs) Um, The biggest year in their stadium was when Bailey Zappi came into the game for Mac Jones the only cheer all day long, and he came in and immediately, you know, sailed balls over Hunter Henry's head and Kendrick Bourne's head, and he couldn't complete a pass down the field. When I look at this roster, honestly, it, they look like – do you remember the old expansion teams, you know, like when, I don't know, Carolina came into the sure. league? They sure. looked like an expansion team. Um, They look like just a collection of bodies, including the quarterbacks, mm. that were just cast-offs from other teams, whether it's Kendrick Bourne, or Devontae Parker, or, you know, Riley Reif, or the, that That's who they look like. Their two best defensive players are on the shelf. That's unfortunate. You know, Matt Judon and Christian Gonzalez are elite players. Uh, they're playing without them. And they have a ton of guys on injury reserve that nobody wants to acknowledge. That's fine. Um, nobody cares. I would say Bill Belichick is, is still a mastermind and a great coach. I would say Bill Belichick, the GM, You know, needs to be replaced because if this is his roster that he's assembled, then he's looking at an incomplete roster and stuck in the old way of doing things where they simply don't have a quarterback, you know, capable of functioning with this roster. And one thing that's odd to me, you talk about Bill Belichick, the GM. So I said this during a broadcast, but they don't have a fullback on the roster. So I've never seen a Bill Belichick team without a fullback. And you go, well, yeah, fullbacks are dinosaurs. Well, okay. Except that whenever they did struggle with Brady or even the last two years, you could guarantee it was clockwork, Carl. The next game, they would line up in I formation and knock you off the ball mm. and win the line of scrimmage. They would spend the first quarter doing that. Jacob Johnson, yep. you know, they, they found fullbacks. They don't have a fullback. You know, they, they, it, it, Heath Evans. I mean, I go back to the list of fullbacks. It's weird to me that a Bill Belichick team doesn't have a fullback. And I go, what, what, I don't even recognize the offense without a fullback I formation. So I just say Bill Belichick, my respect is deep and strong for him as, as a coach, but I think he literally was watching that game on the sideline with his arms folded without talking to anybody, it seemed like the whole game, almost distant, going,
0: what am I doing? How did
2: I build a roster that looks this bad?
0: It is. It is. And I'll say this. For everybody who's not understanding what Baldy is is talking about here, and we know we have footballs, you know, Zervant's watching us. The fullback thing, when you look around the NFL and you look around the coaching tree from Shanahan to Mike McDaniel to Mm -hmm. Arthur Smith, Fullbacks. fullbacks, okay? All these teams that are committed to not only running the ball, but knowing how important that position is to what they're trying to accomplish. Green Bay, LaFleur, all these teams, fullbacks. So it is a valid point when you bring this up and people go, what does that have to do with anything? It's a big deal when you say, hey, we're going to get back to basics and we're going to pound it. And we need a lead blocker and we're going old school and we're hitting the hole and that linebacker is going to take on that block and we're going to create some space. We're picking up three, four yards and we're moving the football. That is a big deal. They cannot do that. So yep. it's a great point, Baldy. Hey, man, yep. always a pleasure. Guys, enjoy the games. We are back with you next week. Baldy, where are you at, by the way, this weekend? Uh, I'm in the, I'm in uh, MetLife
2: Stadium, Jets okay. and uh, Eagles this weekend. So I'll get a front look and see if the, the Jets can somehow knock off one of the undefeateds and shock in all the, the entire league right now. I mean, that's kind of what every Jet fan is hoping for, although...
0: There's going to be a ton of Eagle fans, fly Eagles, fly inside that stadium. No doubt. They're excited, and they should be. They're off to a great start. Hey, enjoy the games, everybody. Subscribe in the huddle. We appreciate you being here. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey Company.